all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Southern Remedy for Women, where we talk about issues of health and wellness and add a woman's perspective. Of course, though, it's also the show for people who are born of a woman or who just happen to know a woman. Um, We consider ourselves kind of to be the show for everybody, for women. (laughs) Um, I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens, and today we get the opportunity to hear from a specialty that we don't often get a chance to hear from. So guys, get ready. Um, You heard the number right before we started. Um, We have Dr. Jim Hurt, who is here with us today, and he is an orthopedic surgeon who has a specialty or emphasis in sports medicine. So we are talking about sporting injuries, injury prevention. You know, it's summertime. People are out getting active. Not that there aren't a plethora of winter um, and fall sports that people can participate in. But, you know, people like to get active. It's a whole lot easier for you to get out. I'm, I'm kind of a fair weather person. I don't really like cold and I don't really like rain. Um, so people like to get out in this really great weather and, and run or, you know, you can swim year round. So that's not really, I guess, the most appropriate. But running in particular, I think you see more people out jogging as opposed to being indoors um, during the weather. Um, also, whether it's baseball or um, softball, spring training for football, all of these things, as the weather gets better and things heat up, give us an opportunity to kind of be more active. And so we are so glad to have Dr. Hurt here, who, again, works at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And so, Jim, thank you for being here. Thanks, Dr. Rose. Appreciate you having me. And we are so glad to have you. Can you tell us for the so I know that you have been a guest here before. Yeah. I'm highly coveted. Um, thanks, Sam Wills. We throw that out there. Um so you've been here with us before, but for those of us, for those members of the listening audience who may not, may not be familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have a yeah. very interesting, so your family's really interesting, your background, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a local. I grew up in Clinton, Mississippi, graduated from Clinton High School, uh, went off to college, went to the University of Alabama. That's where I met my lovely uh, wife. War Eagle, sorry. Gotta Roll Tide. That's all right. We, I think we're we did that be, last time, yeah, too. Yeah, we're going to be like arm wrestling. Boo all um, of that. <laughs> uh, Boo all of that in lieu of what? Everything about Mississippi. Uh, okay. We'll take I'm a that. big Mississippi fan, though. Me too. Yay, Mississippi. I'm, you know, I'm not going to pick a Mississippi, Mississippi school, schools. but I'm, I support my Mississippi all. schools, but you know, um, Roll yeah. your eagles all you want. I, I <laughs> do. I wore my eagles. I do. Or Todd. <laughs> That's even worse. Yeah, that's a mix. That I know. So, so we're going to skip over that tumultuous time in your life when you were um, in Alabama, and then what? Then when things yeah, started. So, so when you when things started getting better for you. No, absolutely. So, <laughs> met, so met my wife the second day of class at Alabama. So it was a good thing. I saw her the first day, sat behind her the second day, uh, and then. Um, we kind of dated on and off through college and med school. Went to med school together at UAB. Uh, she's a dermatologist, uh, and I went. Uh, I trained. 
uh, in orthopedics down at Tulane, and she was at LSU. Uh, we got married shortly after med school and have four young kids, um, that all sounds less busy. than eight years old. That's yeah. busy. So I got three eight and under, so I get it. Oh, it's yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Jay, so. Jay can chime in on the on the three and oh, three plus kids story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It it's is, a lot. but it's fun. I'm, I'm like in a, I don't know, somewhat comatose most days. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of been that way since they, were, since they got here. Yeah, right? it's been about an eight year period. Uh, yeah, I, I think it. it'll end at some point. But uh, but no, my wife's a dermatologist. She works in Clinton, Mississippi, part time, uh, and I'm at the university uh, doing orthopedics and sports medicine. So um, and happy to be here. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. And we are going to just kind of jump right into it. Um, once again, guys, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 You can listen to us also on, uh, on the app. Um, and also, if you have a question that you can't, uh, you don't have access to a phone, then please make sure that you give us a call or send us an email, rather, to women at mpbonline.org. So... Dr. Hurt, this is one of those. Th- I think that's interesting too. By the way, I'm sure you get that a lot when the person's coming in. We're yeah. talking injury prevention with Dr. Hurt. Yeah, no, I have patients <laughs> that are legitimately worried to see me. Right, like I, I walk in and they're nervous, and it's because of my name, 100. percent So I talk about it every day. You, you can't know. walk in there and say this isn't going to hurt a bit. No, so <laughs> you know, my wife took my name. You know, but like people come to see her and they walk out and they're looking better. And they have less wrinkles and all this stuff. And like every single person that sees me is hurting a hundred percent. So it ends up being a good joke and an icebreaker. So we we make it work. Awesome. So let's just talk first of all about we'll start with the runners, um, just because I think there's a that's a place of also personal interest um, as I am a a semi-retired athlete. But running was one of the things that I really enjoyed. Um, And so a lot of people are out now kind of being a little bit more active and doing things. What kinds of um, specifically for runners? Why don't we just start with um, First, things that runners can do to prevent injury. Sure. That might be a little bit more protective for those people who may be at a variety of different stages in running. Like there are some people who are beginners and some people who, you know, are marathoners. What are kind of some things that are like the key things that you need to do in order to prevent injury um, as a runner? Yeah, sure. That's a that's a great question. Complex. And I'll kind of take it in a couple of different directions. So I think number one exercise, uh, at least in my opinion, people will disagree is heart health more than weight loss. So you can be overweight and be a really good runner, but that's not necessarily a good situation because you are putting more kind of stress through your joints and stress through the bones. And I think in patients that run a lot that maybe could use to lose a little bit of weight, that's a more stressful situation on the bones and the joints. Um, and so I think, um, Diet is probably a little bit more of weight loss, and so uh, probably getting in, getting your weight to a more reasonable level before you start running aggressively is probably a good thing. And then as we get older, you just have to you have to exercise in a different way. You know, I saw a, um, you see fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year old kids, and they get they have traumatic injuries, but they don't come in with hamstring pulls. They don't come in with some of these things that like you start to get when you're 25, 30 and older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you see professional athletes that pull their hamstring all the time. And oftentimes it's because they haven't changed the way they do things, right? So they could get away with just going out and playing when they were 18. And when they're 22, 23, 
They need to stretch for 20 or 30 minutes before they play, and they need to stretch after they run and do some of these things. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's where a lot of us get into trouble is we just go exercise, and we, in our minds, we all still think we're 18 or 21, but we're not. We're different. You yeah, know, I'm 25. I used, yeah, well, you got me by <laughs> that's one my year. Number and yeah. I'm sticking to it. That's right. But no, I mean, when I was a teenager, I could eat a whole large pizza, and I lost a pound. You know, that, and then that's true, though. That I makes think a lot about of eating sense. pizza now and I put on yeah. two pounds. Well, right? and the so. other thing is that we lose like so. So part of the natural progress of like aging mm-hmm. is that that our bodies change. Like so yep. if we do absolutely nothing different from one day to the next, there will still be changes that sure. happen. Absolutely. Um, and so there's some degree of that that's inevitable. But then there's this other thing like that it becomes a big deal as you were giving these uh, comparing contrasts, like what people can do in their teenage years versus later on, like a loss of flexibility that can happen just. And the other piece is that, you know, the way that we use our muscles may be different over time. And then, so what we need to do to prepare our muscles for more strenuous Mm -hmm. exercise, um, may it, it changes as we get older as well. Yeah, it sure does, right? And so a lot of us were very, very active as teenagers, right? And then go to college or get jobs, and the nature of what we do just decreases our activity level. But we, when we work out and when we exercise, when we run, we do it the same way we did it when we were in high school or in college. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be a little bit, little bit of an adjustment there, probably. So, you know, and but what I tell patients, right, you I'm there to fix you, right? If you get hurt and there are things we should be doing to prevent injuries, but you should never not exercise to try to avoid injuries. Mm-hmm. I kind of jokingly tell people I've never seen someone die of a knee attack, right? <laughs> so you Touché. can hurt your knee, but mm-hmm. like, you know, runners oftentimes say, I know I shouldn't run. Well, go run, right? Like, because that's good heart health. That's good exercise. I'd much rather you be running than sitting on the couch, not running because you were afraid your knee was going to hurt. Well, that, actually, injure yourself. that actually makes good sense. So, um, so just balancing this concept of like what you and, and being realistic about what you sure. can do and, Absolutely. and, and recognizing that. At some point in time, especially if you've had prolonged periods of inactivity in between or sudden mm-hmm. changes, that it may not necessarily be realistic or even necessary for you to return or resume at the same level that you stopped when you were doing it more regularly or what have you. Absolutely. Right. And it's just it's something that's it's hard to come to grips with. That, that, Tell you me know. about it. You're like all yeah. over my street today because I'm just sitting here like, oh, but gosh. no, I think things, you know, um, and, and you see that and I see a ton of injuries right crossfit's the new the new big thing and i think it's great right i think it is um i think it is really really good and i think it uh has a lot of health benefits but we see a lot of injuries and we see a lot of patients that are my age that take up crossfit and they get in better shape but they have injuries and so i think i think some of the less strenuous stuff like pilates and yoga and tai chi and some of these things are kind of great segues into the more rigorous weightlifting and and kind of ground and pound kind of running activities too. Awesome. So one of the things that you can do in order to prepare, A, is um, continue to work on uh, achieving an optimal weight. Um, Number two would be to make sure that you stretch. Um, and, and it's not just like a couple of little side bends and take off, but mm-hmm. to, to seriously consider the muscle groups that you're going to be using in the activity that you're participating in. And then to make sure that you 
not only stretch, but that you stretch correctly. And so, and, and we typically say that if you're stretching, you may be able to feel a pull. It's not uncommon for people to have one side of their body that may be more loose than another side. So that may be natural if you feel that one side is a little tighter than the other. But, um, but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be painful or strenuous for you to stretch. Yeah, no, I mean, it shouldn't, but you should be stretching every day, right? You should feel a little pull. If it is painful, it probably just means that you haven't been stretching like you should, right? Or that maybe you need to back off, right? So. Awesome. This is, so I guarantee you guys, we're getting ready to take our first break of the hour. The next segment will be a lot more upbeat because we are going to talk about all the great uh, ways that you can prevent injury and also some of the more common injuries that people uh, might experience depending on what types of activities that you're involved in. Again, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens here in Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Jim Hurt, and we are talking about injuries. We'll be right back. Radio podcast. And we're back, Southern Remedy for Women, where we are talking about sports injuries with Dr. Jim Hurt, our orthopedic surgery specialist in sports medicine expert extraordinaire. Um, if you are just tuning in, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. The phone lines are open. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can drop us an email to women at mpbonline.org. So now, um, Dr. Hurt, what I'd like to do is we talked a little bit about prevention. Let's um, move into some of the more common um, injuries that you see. I would assume that that would probably be related to whatever kind of activity that we're talking about. Um, But, you know, so this is Southern Remedy for Women. So why don't we talk about um, some of the more common injuries that you may see in female patients um, and just g- we'll go in general because yeah. we were kind of chit-chatting at the break. No, absolutely. So men and women are certainly different, right? And we see different injury patterns in girls and boys, uh, both in the teenage years and as we get older. So, uh, you know, the epidemic things that we see, especially in teenagers and the things that I deal with on a regular basis, everyone thinks that knee injuries and ACL tears are football injuries and basketball injuries and it's probably because nfl and the nba are so big and these injuries when these guys get hurt like are just very public and they Mm -hmm. we see them and we talk about them and they're on espn 70 percent of acl tears are in girls though people don't realize that so acl tears are truly epidemic in our female athletes especially basketball soccer volleyball some of the cutting sports um and, and we see just tons and tons and tons of it. So, uh, you know, there are 
over the past probably five to 10 years, we've really kind of come up with better injury kind of prevention type exercises and pre kind of game warm up and some strengthening things that girls can do to try to prevent these. So, um, so you said ACL. Mm-hmm. So can, can you just really quickly for those folks who may not have had that great anatomy class kind of go over like what's going on in the knee when yeah. you have that kind of tear, like what, what exactly gets messed up and, and how do you fix it? No, it's, that's a, that's a great question. So the knee, if you think about it is, is a really, really inherently unstable joint. And it's amazing that we can run or walk on our knees because it's not. Uh, it is just kind of a curved, uh, a curved bone at the distal end of the thigh bone, and then kind of a flat surface on the top end of your shin bone. That hard thing stuck in the middle. That's right. <laughs> and so there are there are soft tissue things that help provide stability to the knee. So the fact that you can run, stop, and cut into the other direction is pretty amazing. But the the ACL is a ligament that is right in the dead center of the knee and crosses crosses a over the knee. So it's called the cruciate ligament because there's an anterior ligament and there's a posterior ligament and they cross over each other in the knee. So it keeps the shin bone from going forward on the thigh bone and then also keeps the shin bone from twisting on the thigh bone. And so when it tears, you have increased translation of the knee and it can kind of pivot and shift out of place. So it is a so that is actually a destabilizing injury. It, it is. It creates destabilization of the knee. It is. And so I mean it's a very very traumatic injury and oftentimes it's almost like the knee dislocates when it in, when it when it's injured. Um and there's a very very high rate almost six, probably 60 to 70 percent chance that something else is injured at the same time whether it's the cartilage at the end cap, the kind of the end caps of the bone or the meniscus uh, which is kind of the rubbery cushion cartilage that sits in between the thigh and the shin bone and so high rates of like uh, concomitant injuries along with ACL tears so when something like that happens mm-hmm. I'm sure it's excruciatingly painful it excruciate is. never mind um, so if so when that happens, what exactly is the process for um, for repair? So say you are playing soccer. Yep. And this happens. I actually I, I broke my foot playing soccer, but I've never had a, a knee injury playing soccer. Um, and so this happens. Then what exactly is the process going forward? So you you diagnose the tear. Yep. And then what has to happen? Yeah. So oftentimes we kind of recognize the injury both the mechanism, you know, a twist and a pop in a teenage athlete is an ACL tear until an MRI shows that it's not or something else. So typically we're going to get an MRI pretty quickly, uh, depending on some of the other symptoms, usually crutches, maybe a brace. Um, and every patient is different, right? We used to just kind of treat everyone the same. We did everything the same for boys, the same for girls, the same kind of irregardless of age. And really you have to, things are so much uh, more individualized as far as care goes. So you might tear your ACL and I might be able to fix it next week. The next person might tear their ACL. I mean, it might be your twin sister, right? And her knee is swollen and inflamed. And if I just turn around quickly and fix that, she's going to struggle more with post-operative rehab and her recovery. And so sometimes we fix ACL injuries very quickly and other times we wait four to six weeks and so that can be very frustrating especially Mm -hmm. for a parent who comes in when i tell them yeah this needs to be fixed but we need to wait six weeks to do it 
they're ready to let's fix it. Yeah. Let's get going. Let's get back on the road to recovery. But if you do them too quickly, sometimes it just slows down your recovery and can actually lead to delayed return to play. So part of it is about, so usually when there's some kind of um, injury, there is a natural process within our bodies sure. whereby we, there's this, this process of inflammation. Yep. Um, so inflammation occurs around injury. It also is part of the infectious process. Um, and that inflammation, um, which is part of the, the natural body's attempt to heal, can actually interfere with the the interventions that we may have, whether they're surgical or otherwise. Sometimes that inflammatory process, if it's really ramped up, yeah, you gotta. It can be bad, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's a really good segue because inflammation is really the first stage of healing in these things. So the body has a process by which things are inflamed. Certain cells come into the knee, or you know, if you cut yourself or have some sort of injury, they come in. Um, but we're still kind of figuring this all out with different injuries in orthopedics. But there are some people who get really, really inflamed and other people who have a little bit of swelling but can move their knee. They can walk on it. It's not too bad. I mean, and we don't really know why one behaves differently than the other. And so when that happens, then um, ultimately, though, if you have one of these tears, the answer is going to be surgery at some point. Now, just the timing of that surgery Mm -hmm. is different. But but if it's. If it's a tear, then usually you have to fix the tear. Yeah, we typically reconstruct them, which means we make a new ligament. So that's an interesting question because even when I was in training about 15 years ago, it was kind of the standard that if you were over the age of 50, you never got surgery for your ACL. And you really what we've recognized now is that people are living longer, right? Like age isn't necessarily kind of a defining factor as much as... um, kind of your physiologic age. You guys like, are writing off 50-year-old knees? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Not anymore, though. We've made that better, right? So, But that's what that's what was happening. So if you were 50 and tore your ACL, we would just say, hey, we need to rehab it, do a brace. And if you develop arthritis down the road or can't do some things, well, you and just we'll can't do, do some things in. and we'll replace your knee down the road. Um, but now, I mean, I, I've fixed ACLs in patients significantly older than that that are active, that are playing tennis and doing CrossFit and doing these other things and they want to continue to do them and they can't because their knee is unstable. So it really depends on patient, the patient's health, their activity level. Um, in everyone young though, we typically reconstruct them. Now there are exceptions to that rule, but an unstable knee and a knee that's moving in a way that maybe God didn't intend for it to move typically will lead to degenerative changes in the knee and arthritic changes in the knee. And so, uh, and sometimes pretty quickly within 10 to 15 years. And so you can imagine if you tear your ACL at 16 and don't get it fixed and have arthritis 10 years later, a 26-year-old shouldn't have arthritis in their knee. Yeah. And that's something we're really trying to prevent. Awesome. Maybe more so than getting them back to playing. Yeah. So once again, guys, the phone lines are open. That number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 I know that I have some athletes who are out there who may have struggled with some of these injuries. If you've had a great success story or if you're still struggling and you would like for Dr. Hurt to tell you if there might be some other options for you, please feel free to pick up the phone and give us a call. Um, and so, Jim, we'll go right back to um, you. Had, so we talked about this ACL mm-hmm. tear and, and the increased uh, frequency that it's seen in women and something that 
that you mentioned that I thought was a surprise during the break was this thing about concussions. You know, we yeah. typically think about that, too. Uh, I mean, football. That's a football thing, yeah, right? Yeah, well, well, that's where all the hype is coming from. Mm-hmm. But um, so tell me a little bit more about concussions and, and female athletes. Yeah, so, it, so what we talked about, and I might have misspoke just a little bit, more men do get concussions or boys, right? Because boys play football. That's kind of what it is. And we have a much higher rate of concussion in football. And that's that's been documented and everyone's seen the movies and the you know, the the press releases and stuff. But but girls are more at risk for concussion. We don't a hundred percent know why. There's some kind of theories out there, uh um, but it is a little bit easier for female athletes to get a concussion. And so sometimes smaller trauma leads to concussion. Something we see oftentimes in soccer, kind of like what we talked about in the Northeast lacrosse, some of the sports that we don't have a lot down here in the Southeast. Um, but we sometimes forget about the female athlete. And we, we forget about the girls and we forget about the fact that they also are um, kind of sustain these injuries. And I'll tell you, like, Female basketball and soccer is way more violent than football. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I kind of say that jokingly, but like those girls are tough. They are. They go out there. If you've ever watched yeah. girls play basketball or soccer, man, they're mean. Well, right? the I guys will you, hit each other and then help each other up. And like, I think about that. Like I think about the soccer because you actually use your head, yep. or you know, those balls hit your head all the time. And mm-hmm. so um, it's not surprising that you would have you know a brain bruise or something every now and yeah. again. Or the way sometimes when people are running full speed and you're not paying attention and you turn around and you smack right into somebody. Um, so, um, that's great. We will hold on that thought okay. and go to our phone lines and we are going to hear from Will who's calling us from Memphis, Tennessee. Good morning, Will. Hey, Will. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Great. We are great. How are you? Uh, excellent. Thank you, Dr. Hurst and Dr. Owens. Um, my qu- you pretty much explained a lot of it, uh, concerning what I'm calling in for. Uh, my son, uh, plays football and basketball, 14 years, he'll be 14 years old. And uh, we took him to the doctor uh, the other day to get an x-ray on his knee. And uh, they scheduled him for an MRI today uh, because they believe it's a torn. um, They they say it may be a torn ACL. Yeah. Um, And it is doing exactly kind of what you said. It's starting to swell up Mm -hmm. pretty big around that area. Yeah, so, you know, 14, I'll kind of jump in for a second, Will. So 14-year-old boys, typically their growth plates are open. So girls tend to grow until about 14 or 15 years of age, and boys somewhere 16, 17 on average. And so, uh-huh. um, yeah, it's a, com- it's a common time that we see ACL tears. Um, you know, 14 is young, but it's not out of the realm of normal for ACLs. And so, um, uh, you know, it's something that needs to be ruled out. And what I would tell you is that I'm pretty aggressive with my young athletes like your son. If I if they come in and they have swelling or fluid in their knee, that's almost always pathologic, meaning that there is there's some sort of injury or something going on in there that's abnormal. Uh, and if there's no fracture on x-ray when we look at that, then I'm going to be pretty quick to order an MRI. So it sounds like the doctor you saw did exactly what I would have done and, and probably the right thing. Hopefully it's not as ACL, but we're certainly pretty good at fixing them these days. Okay, so your other conclusion would be that maybe fluid in there? Well, when the ACL tears, you get fluid in your knee. 
So, uh, yeah, there's a little vessel that runs in the ACL, and when you tear it, it bleeds, and so you'll get you'll get blood in the knee. Uh, but with any sort of injury inside the knee, typically you get increased joint fluid in there, and you will get what's called an effusion or, or fluid in the knee, which is oftentimes just a symptom. It's not the problem. It's a symptom of the injury or the problem itself. Okay. So if it's only fluid, the fluid has to be drained off, but if it's... Uh... If it is torn, it will have to be had surgery done. Yeah, it'd probably have to get fixed. The fluid will sometimes go away. It just depends on how much, but oftentimes draining the fluid will make the patient feel better, uh, but doesn't always have to come off. The body will reabsorb that, too. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And that MRI should show everything that's going on with that. Should show everything. MRIs miss a few things, uh, but, yeah, if the ACL's torn or the meniscus is torn, uh, they have pretty good kind of specificity and sensitivity to pick up all of those injuries. Wow. Well, Will, I hope that that answered your questions, and well, good you luck. Did an excellent job. You actually explained 90% of it beforehand. It was a- no, this <laughs> is awesome. So we knew we, you'd be calling. I know, right. We just wish best of luck to your son and his evaluation. And, again, um, just know that if that's what it is, the good thing is that, you know, it's something that can be fixed. Now, now, can I ask you one more question as far as uh, the prognosis of this? Yeah. Uh, as far as time frame, and I guess that depends on the depth of it. Yeah, every, everyone's a little different. It depends on the injuries that he has. If it is his ACL, that'll need to be reconstructed or fixed typically to get him back to sports. And on average, uh, everyone's different, but 9 to 12 months until you kind of return to cutting sports, so basketball, football, Ooh, things like that. It's a, lo- it's, a, it's a long recovery. I got you. I got you. Okay, well, I appreciate all your help. From Absolutely. Hope for the best for your son, Will. Thank y'all. Have a good day. You too. So um, once again, we have a couple of lines open, guys. That number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. But we have two callers on the line, so we're going to stay on the phones, and we're going to go to Edwin, who's calling from Bay St. Louis. Good morning, Edwin. Hey, good morning. Um, I wanted to ask the doctor. I'm not a young person. I'm sixty one. That's but, young. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But at the, at the end of December, I was walking my dog um, on a beach in Bay St. Louis, and I felt my um, my left knee was feeling stiff. So the next morning, I woke up, and my knee was swollen, and I couldn't put any weight on it. So I, I went to the urgent care in um, Diamond Head, and um, they did some x-rays, and she said she didn't see anything really abnormal, um, but um, she referred me to an orthopedic place. I went there. And they did a, um, a what extra X-ray and came back and said I had um, arthritis, osteoarthritis. Yeah. So um, I saw a nurse practitioner there, so I made a second appointment to see the doctor so I can get a, another opinion because I thought that was kind of uncommon for you to wake up and you just keep putting a weight on your knee and you wasn't injured. So, but anyway, the, um, the doctor didn't show up, so um, I didn't see the doctor. So I went to um, another doctor in New Orleans and. Um, he ordered an MRI, which I'm going to have next Wednesday, but he was thinking it had something to do um, with my meniscus. He had did some x-rays and said that he may have a little arthritis, but you, your knee looks in pretty good shape for your age. And um, But he thinks it's a meniscus, so he wanted to confirm it by getting an MRI, which I'm going to get on Wednesday. Yeah, and, um, yeah, when all of that sounds pretty appropriate, you know, so that's the first thing, and... Uh, a lot of the diagnoses and a lot of conditions that we see are, are really based on age. 60-year-olds get different things than 18-year-olds. And so uh, 
arthritis is not uncommon after the age of 40, even if it's a little bit. And that's a, it's a conversation. Your conversation that you just had is something that I have every day in clinic uh, because arthritis mm-hmm. is kind of a wear and tear degenerative condition. So uh, I kind of describe the cartilage in your knee as like the tread on, on your tires. It, it wears away over time. And so as it wears away, um, it can become painful and it's never really painful until it's painful. And so sometimes that's Mm -hmm. from a little twist. Sometimes that you stood up kind of funny and kind of caught it. Mm -hmm. It's always, sometimes it's just minor trauma. It's not always something bad, but it can go from being normal one day to to hurting the next day and not getting better. Uh, And so, so someone who's your age, even though 60 isn't old, can certainly have arthritis in their knee. And uh, it sounds like from what the orthopedic surgeon or the doctor you saw in New Orleans saw that maybe it's not too bad on x-ray. And so they're going to take a little closer look on the MRI. Um, and so, yeah. it, you know, it might be that you need a little cleanup or a little arthroscopy or some, something to help fix the meniscus, or it might just be that you need an anti-inflammatory or a little shot in your knee or a little brace or therapy. So there are, there are a lot of different directions, but, you know, arthritis is something we don't have a cure for, but we have good treatments for and things that can make it feel better. Well, that's good to hear. I hope it's nothing too invasive because he was saying, well, they might try this um, hyaluronic acid. Yeah. Or you might need to have surgery. Yeah, no, there are a lot of different options, and I think the the doctor will probably just run run through your options with you and kind of give you the risk benefits, the alternatives for treatment, and kind of let you decide what you want to do. There's no, there's no harm in not doing anything, and there's no harm in taking things slow, you know. And if something easy works, then oftentimes you can avoid surgery. Simon, so I have one quick question um, for you. Yeah. Do you happen so? He, when you said this tread on the tires, it made, made me think about it. Because say, for example, we both buy a car and it's a brand new car. Say we've had the car for two years. Well, if you've driven your car 50,000 miles and mm-hmm. I've driven mine 10,000, yep. then there's less tread on my tires that's Correct. been worn than on yours. So there are things that we can do in the same period of time that might accelerate or slow down that process of wearing down the tread on those those knees and joints and other things as yeah, well. Yeah, no, and genetics plays a role in it too, right? So, Dr. Owens, I see patients sometimes that come in that are 80 years old and run five miles every day and their knee just started hurting them. And you get an x-ray and their knee looks like they're 18, right? That's just good genetics because mm-hmm. they've been running and it wasn't the pounding that, that caused the arthritis. And I see other p- patients who are 35 to 40 who are thin, healthy, haven't had injuries, and they have arthritis in their knee. And you, you talk to them and mom and dad both had their knees replaced at 50. And I mean, that just is kind of bum luck genetics. It's kind of it's hard to escape what mom and dad give you sometimes. Uh, My mom and dad are listening. I hope you guys heard that. Edwin, thank you so much for your call and good luck to you. We are going to stay on our phone lines and hear from Will, who's calling from Philadelphia. Good morning, Will. Morning. Hey, Will. So uh, this question is about a little lower. It's about my ankle. Yeah. I'm I'm 25 years old and I broke my ankle when I was 23. uh, And it was a pretty serious fracture. It was a trimalar fracture on my right ankle. And I ended up having to have the, the, the surgery for plates and screws. I have two plates and 11 screws. Yeah. And after the surgery, when I took my cast off, it had not healed. It was, it was pretty much wide open. I had developed staph. And then I had to have additional two more surgeries to clean and dehiss and whatever and what have you. And then I developed MRSA, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but since I was at University of Maryland, I got to be part of a drug study and got that cleared up really quickly. 
But my question is, how long do I have to keep the plates and screws? I emailed you guys uh, a photo of my X-ray and everything just for you to have a peek at. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't have a computer in front of me or that no, email, but, we'll, but we can we'll take we'll a grab look. So, we'll yeah. see if somebody can pull it up for us and bring it to us um, through the to after the break, and we'll make sure that if there's something additional yeah. to add, you can go ahead and add yeah. to edit then. What I would tell you, Will, is that uh, plates and screws can be forever. There's no uh-huh. unless they are symptomatic or bothering you. Uh, taking them out is just another surgery. If you and if you've had you know an infection previously in that area, there's always a risk that even with a small surgery, just removing a screw or removing a plate, that you could get infected again. The other thing, from an orthopedic standpoint, when you take screws out, you leave a hole in the bone, which can be a weak spot in the bone. Right. You know, and that so someone, yeah, so someone like, young and healthy like you, I would be nervous about taking screws out if you're still doing sports or active and things like that. So if they're not bothering you, I'd leave them in. All right. That was my question. Like, what happens whenever? Well, another question. What happens when you take the screws out? Like, you know, is that hole won't like grow over? It stays. No, it does a little bit. It, there, there's a little bit of healing, but typically the bone has kind of just grown around the screw, and it's you're just left with a hole there. It oh, typically okay. doesn't fill in completely. It'll sometimes fill in with some soft tissue or just scar tissue, but typically doesn't completely heal back in with bone. All right. Well, thank you. I'll be listening for whenever you guys possibly see my my email. Awesome. Sounds Fantastic. good. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. So um, we are going to go to our break in just a minute. We've got one more caller on the line. And so we are going to hear from Rich, who's calling from Picayune. Hey, Rich. Hello. Quick question. I have a ACL replaced about 12 years ago. I never got a full extension on it. I like sports. And I wanted to see about possibly getting another one put in. And the surgeon told me that oh, it's going to go out and we'll just give you an artificial knee, which I'd like to avoid. Sure. And I was just wondering if you thought someone who was active, and they say I have arthritis, although I've got good flexibility, yeah. could possibly be a candidate for another ACL. How old are you, Rich, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, 62, but very uh, health-oriented and light. Yeah, so um, kind of going back to my previous, the, kind of the previous conversation that we had, uh, age plays a role, but it doesn't play a role. Uh, it, it, I would say that in someone like you who maybe lost a little bit of extension when they had an ACL, you know, reconstructed at the age of 50, but has a little bit of arthritis in the knee, um, conservative treatment would probably be the first line of care, uh, because there's no guarantee that even if we do it again or reconstruct it again, or put a new ACL, that that will be better than the first one. Um, and there's always a chance that it could be worse. So, um, you know, I, I completely agree with you. I have no desire to have money replaced either. And certainly if I am healthy and active, I would like to avoid that. You know, but there are some other good conservative treatments. There's, you know, injections, anti-inflammatories, therapy, bracing. You know, there's there are new kind of biologic-type treatments like PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma and stem cell-type things that are not necessarily, you know, um, FDA-approved, but it's, it's your own blood products that sometimes will help with some of these things. And so a patient that has arthritis, and some of that would, would depend on what your x-rays show, even if it's not symptomatic, sometimes it, that decreases the indications to go back in and do a big reconstructive type surgery. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. I'll just keep on um, playing my tennis until it goes, and then we'll that, cross that 
honestly, if you're yeah, if you're playing tennis and doing okay, even if it's not just perfect, that's what I would do. I wouldn't. Um, yeah. I, there's always a risk that uh, you know we do something and you don't get back to playing tennis. You know, but if yeah, you so can't Harry, do what you want to do, that's when you that's when you take the next step. Hey, last quick thing, we have a stem cell paste out in California with BioNe, the company, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at doing that because they say the stem cell paste actually turns into whatever portion of the body it's hooked to. It can turn into bone, cartilage, or whatever. And I'm just wondering if you'd heard about that. Yeah, there, there are some things like that. I would say that's on the kind of, in the future, uh, we're not quite there yet. That would be kind of an aggressive statement that they've told you. That that would be, I would maybe approach that with a little bit of caution, but I don't 100% disagree. Good luck to you, Rich. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. And we're back at Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. Today's show is about sports injury prevention and sporting injuries and we are joined by our special guest and expert Dr. Jim Hurt who is an orthopedic surgeon specializing in all things orthopedics but also um, with an interest in sports medicine Um, so all of you athletes who've been calling parents and relatives friends of athletes all those folks who are wanting to unleash their inner beast this is the show for you and we will help you to get the information that you need in order to be able to do that healthily and safely Um, and we're also just going to talk about some common injuries so you guys know what's lurking out there when you try to live your your best life or relive your um, teenage years when you're not quite a teenager anymore Um, so we've had some really great calls we've talked about um, knee injuries we talked a little bit or touched a little bit on concussions Um, we've talked about the importance of stretching as um, we continue to um, age and mature throughout the course of our lives and we've also talked about um, some of the more common injuries and repairs and how those things are done especially as it pertains to knee injuries so We've uh, you haven't really missed everything. If you're just tuning in, um, the phone lines are open. That number is one eight seven seven MPB ring, which is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you like, you can send us an email to women at mpbonline.org. Um, and so um, we've actually got a couple of callers on the line, and so we've got one teed up. We will go to Scott, who's calling from Jackson. Good morning, Scott. Hey, Scott. Yeah, yes. I recently been diagnosed with low thyroid uh, due to uh, weight loss over several months. What type of things should I not be eating? Uh, I haven't started my medication yet either for my thyroid. What type of food should you not be eating? Yes. Well, so so Scott, um, with respect to your your actual being, so you said your thyroid is low, correct? So hypothyroidism, um, which is an underactivity of the thyroid gland. You know, there's not really. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Over. I'm sorry. It's overactive. Oh, overactive. I lost a lot of weight. Overactive. Oh yeah, yeah. So so if so if you've lost a lot of weight, did you do you actually have um, a goiter or an enlarged thyroid gland? Yeah, she said it was enlarged. 
instead of Graves' disease. Mm-hmm. That's actually the most common type of uh, the com- most common cause of hyperthyroidism. Okay, so you actually have an overactive thyroid gland. You know, it's not. We don't really have a lot of dietary restrictions per se for um, for thyroid issues. But one of the more important things is just making sure that you get um, your thyroid levels under control. Because when your thyroid is overactive, you know, at first it's kind of nice, right? You have all this energy and you can yeah. do all these things, but it can also create a big strain on your, on your heart. And um, one of the the thyroid emergencies is is um, called thyroid storm, and that's where you have um, it's a systemic process whereby an overactive thyroid can actually lead to you having problems with you know cardiorespiratory, your heart's and lung problems, and can it's considered a medical emergency. So I think the most important thing is just making sure that you. Um, get started on your medication. The other thing to be mindful of, however, and your pharmacist can even help you with this, is that there are some medications that the, the timing with which you take it or the other medications or other foods that you may mix with it at the time that you take your medicine can influence your levels. And so just make sure, and you can actually ask your pharmacist that information if there's anything in particular. It's not something that sticks out in my mind, um, but sometimes grapefruit juice or grapefruit can sometimes inhibit absorption of certain medications. And so you just want to make sure that if you're on any other medicine, that they're not medications that will alter the levels or interfere with your thyroid hormone, which it shouldn't be, well, your um, anti-thyroid uh, drug. And um, just make sure that if you are consuming food, that you don't have a food that you're taking in that actually will interfere with you taking your medicine because sometimes it can limit your absorption. It's really important that you take those medicines because they will actually block that extra hormone and bring your levels down into an appropriate range. Does that answer your question? Yes. Awesome. Well, good luck to you. Um, and hopefully you will uh, continue to do well. We are going to stay on the phone lines and hear from Ronnie, who is calling us from, I think, on the road. Good morning, Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's your question? Uh, I, I uh, used to be active. I used to run, swim, work out in my younger age. And when I hit my early 30s, I started having some health issues. And one, one being I had a hip issue. With my, on my right side, and it got kind of worse as I got 40, and I saw an orthopedic doctor, and they did a, a risogram. I think it's, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, an arthrogram. Um, yeah, and uh, saw the the uh, arthritis and things going on in there, and said that I'd probably have to have, just in their opinion, a hip replacement by the time I'm 50. Well, I just turned 49, and walking has become a serious chore but not only in my right hip my left hip so i'm having it with both hips now and i'm i'm afraid to go back to a doctor right now because i'm i'm afraid i'll be in a wheelchair for a little while with both hips but my question is is what is out there now because i I see all these horror stories about hip replacements right now although i do know someone who's had one and and it worked great for them but is, is there is there anything up and coming anything uh, coming out now that that is a better alternative for 
these hip replacements, especially for my age, because yeah, Ronnie, I would you're, use one longer, you know. Yeah, you're very young. Um, as far as arthritis goes, that's kind of the up and coming like frontier of orthopedics. We're trying to figure out better ways to treat arthritis, ways to reverse arthritis. Um, and we're getting better, but we're still not there yet. And so the end stage cure for arthritic changes of the hip and knee, especially are joint replacements. And, and I'm not telling you that you need a hip replacement because I haven't examined your senior hips, but hip replacement surgery, uh, along with knee replacement and carpal tunnel release are the top three uh, kind of high satisfactory rate type surgeries that we do in orthopedics. They just do great. Um, and so, yeah, not, not everyone does perfect or does well, and there can be complications, but they do very well. You know, as far as other up-and-coming treatments, kind of what we mentioned earlier, some of the biologic treatments um, are kind of the new things. This is where we take patient's blood or bone marrow, spin it down, get some of the healing type factors and platelets or stem cells out of the kind of the blood elements and inject it into the joint or inject it into the area of injury. Um, And we've seen some promising results on this. Uh, The honest answer is we don't 100% know what it does, why it does it, why you feel better or how long it works. And insurance doesn't pay. That's the kicker. And so it ends up being as low as a you know, as much as a couple of hundred dollars all the way to five to ten thousand dollars to have some of these procedures. And it's all just out of pocket cash pay, which can that's it. Well, it's a lot of money. So, um, you know, like we talked earlier, staying active, keeping moving, uh, stretching, any sort of exercise is, is always better than not exercising. And when you can't do things you want to do, then that's when you kind of move forward with the, the more aggressive treatment. Well, I've done the water aerobics, yeah. and it's just, I, I just can't even, it, it's a chore for me to just get up and walk and just yeah. Room or, no, know, and that's what we see. And if you've had it since your early 30s, it just might be to the point where you don't have a lot of good options other than hip replacement at this point in time. And so it just, you know, you don't want to let it go so far that you just you're missing out on life, you know, trying to avoid something that might have some risk to it. If that makes sense. Well, Ronnie, thanks so much for your call, and we wish you the best of luck. Um, one other thing real quickly for the caller who called in that was talking about the hyperthyroidism. Um, one thing that I did neglect to mention that I want to make sure that I do emphasize it's important is the low iodine diet. So just making sure that you are balancing iodine within your diet because that's a very important um, ingredient or a very important molecule when it comes to uh, overall thyroid function. So just wanted to make sure we threw that out there too. Um, wow, that music means that it is time to to go. It's a quick hour. I it was know. fun. It's just because we were having such a good time. And Will's pictures didn't come through. The email did, but the pictures didn't. Perfect. So, Will, if you would like to shoot us that um, those pictures again via email, we'll try to get them. And um, Sue, if you happen to still be on the line, we can take your call after the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. And Jim, thanks as always for being here with us. Um, Guys, today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by none other than the miraculous uh, Jay White. I am Dr. Michelle Owens. Thanks for being with us. Join us next Friday at 11 o'clock for uh, Southern Remedy for Women. I think Liz Gill was our call screener. Thanks, Liz. Uh, NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. Have a wonderful weekend.